The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. This is our Tuesday episode of Fantasy Football Today. This is our training camp episode. Tuesday yeah. is the day where everybody's supposed to report, Dave, to get tested and then go home and then get tested again and then eventually come back and start playing a little football in like three weeks when you're allowed to put pads on. Right, so I'm not allowed to be excited yet. I've got to wait 72 more hours to get excited. Yeah, right. Or do I have to wait two more weeks to get excited? Um, you can get or, different levels of excitement. You get a little excited. Do I have excited. to wait till September to really, really be sure to be excited? <laughs> probably. Yeah. Okay. I would probably wait till like December to be really excited once the season concludes, or I guess February. Um, well, hope we hope we get there. Welcome to the show, everybody. Today, we're going to peek ahead to training camp, our you know, position battles to watch. Now, if you want to hear about rookie running backs, download literally any other episode from this offseason since the draft. We're not going to talk too much about them today. A little bit, a little bit. But I want to focus on some other stuff like, uh, you know, wide receiver battles, like the Colts' number two wide receiver, the Falcons' number three wide receiver, the Steelers' number two wide receiver, quarterback battles, specifically in Miami and Los Angeles with the Chargers, those types of things. Jamie is here. You heard from him on Monday. You heard him on CBS Sports HQ it's Tuesday. It's Ben Gretsch Day. Welcome back to the show, Ben. How you doing? Yeah, first second second show of the week. This is your favorite intro. Yeah, second show, <laughs> the Ben show. Why is it? Why does Ben look like he's in a cave? He's so dark. <laughs> I does think he? there's too much light coming through my uh, my window right now. Too much light means it's too dark. Uh, to back he's backlit. I don't know something yeah. like that. Um, have a few news items, and we're pretty much going to talk about the first two in the position battles. Where he Mostert signing a new contract, new deal with San Francisco, and Doug Peterson said Alshon Jeffrey is in a really good spot. So those are a couple of the position battles we'll look at: Niners backfield, Eagles that wide spot receivers. The pup list? <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good spot, sure. Uh, and the Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker and Seahawks cornerback Quinn Dunbar. They are on the commissioner's exempt list. They had the legal issues in South Florida. Uh, last month, I guess it was, or several weeks ago. Still not resolved. You said Cody Latimer too, right? Uh, no. He's also on the exempt list. Oh, okay. Thank you. Antonio Gandy, golden time. Yeah, Cody Latimer for the Redskins, Washington wide receiver. Last year was a Giants wide receiver. Um, quick questions for you. Whose ADP will rise the most in camp? So what we want to do is kind of predict... You know, okay, well, look at the Chiefs' backfield now, and they're separated by three rounds, but three weeks into camp, this is going to happen. So give me a player that, uh, start with Ben, since it's Tuesday and it's Ben's show. Give me a player whose ADP is going to rise the most throughout training camp. I'll say Cam Newton. It's not as fun because it's a quarterback, but um, he's still going like QB 19, I expect. Uh, as can, training camp wears on and, and he ends up, you know, I, I'm anticipating he'll be named the starter. And when that happens, that he'll wind up closer to like QB 12 or QB 10 even, maybe. Dave? How about Devontae Freeman, who just needs a place to play? He's changed agents. Sounds like he wants to play this year. There's still a couple teams out there that could be interested in his services. I wonder if he kind of rekindles the romance with the Falcons, now that Todd Gurley's talking about, well, how's the NFL going to pull this off? And is he for sure going to play? And he would actually be a pretty decent compliment to Todd Gurley as a passing downs guy for the Falcons. And so once he signs, his ADP is going to go right back up. Not to like where it was before. <laughs> Let's not go crazy. <laughs> okay. Where is he? Like a top but, 50 pick? He's not going to be that. But is there any scenario in which you're actually interested in drafting Devontae Freeman? Gurley decides he doesn't want to play. The Falcons are in a pinch. They give him a, a 
chunk of money. He comes back and he's the lead guy. Maybe okay. I would take him like with a like a top sixty or seventy overall pick, maybe even higher. Jamie, whose ADP will rise the most during camp? Josh Kelly. Another position battle we'll be looking at. Okay. Another rookie running back, Adam. Not one that we talk too much about, I guess. So I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Jamie, whose ADP is going to fall the most during camp? Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yep. Yeah. What do you think? Give me a prediction. Where he's going to end yeah, up? Yeah, let me give you his current ADP. Clyde Edwards Elair since July 1st. Maybe I should change the date a little bit, get a little more recent. It's going 22nd overall, RB14. Let's just look at the last week and uh, we'll update it there. Clyde Edwards Elair is going 23rd overall, RB14. So, sec- still a late second round pick. What do you think after training camp or in the middle of training camp? 10 spots later. 10 spots later. All right, Dave, whose ADP will fall the most during camp? Uh, Is it wrong to bring up another rookie? No. All right, cover your ears, Ben. Jonathan Taylor, for the exact same reasons why Edwards Hilaire's numbers are going to, or his ADP is going to go down. All right, so Taylor's RB19. He's going 34th overall in the last week. Where do you think he falls to? Round five. Wow, round five. Not for Ben. Ben? Yeah, I just don't see it happening with the like I, I think there's reason to be cautious of the rookies. I don't see their ADPs falling because there's enough people like me that are wild about their upside. Um, so I actually had a hard time trying to pinpoint someone that would be a faller. I think the rookies probably should fall some, but I just don't know that they will. Uh so my answer will just be whoever opts out because that's I think still this big thing that we don't necessarily talk as as directly about, but there's going to be some players that opt out and completely fall out, you know, obviously fall all the way out of the rankings. But um, when that happens, it's going to kind of push everybody else up a little bit. It's going to change some things. There's going to be a little bit of a little bit of shuffling somewhere. I want to see where Debo Samuel's going. He has really nothing to do except for lose value, I would think. Um, Debo in the last week is going 95th overall, wide receiver 38. Some of the guys behind him, Christian Kirk, CeeDee Lamb, Darius Slayton, Jamison Crowder, Miko Hardman, Jerry Judy, Emmanuel Sanders, Jalen Rager. So a lot of the rookies, you could certainly see some momentum for them, and they could go ahead of Debo Samuel. Um, thoughts there? First thing I did was went to see where Brandon Ayuk's ADP was, and it's past 150th overall. Kendrick Bourne is after 200th overall. Someone's got to step up and, and catch passes for San Francisco besides Kittle. Just, yeah, just to it. piggyback off what Ben said, we have another player opt out. Oh, really? Uh, Ravens wide receiver, DeAnthony Thomas. Interesting. Oh, okay. So, yeah, and, and there's a deadline, right, to declare. Yes. And it's, it's August 1st, the NFL has it. Whether or not they stick to it, we'll see. They yeah. did say it's a soft deadline, so we don't know if that's confirmed. Right, and it has to be. It has to be. You have to be able to adjust to the situation, obviously, but... By August 1st, we'll have more names for sure. What is an underrated position battle you're keeping an eye on? Underrated? I'll say uh, the Atlanta RB2 situation is kind of underrated, which Dave just kind of alluded to with Devonta Freeman fitting. Um, We haven't really talked about it much, but the Atlanta offense is just – it projects to be so concentrated, and we still know that Gurley has arthritic knees, and we still know that the Falcons have tended to rotate backs – uh, long term, if we, if we look back, maybe that was just a product of Devontae Freeman being their lead back. I don't necessarily believe that. I think they kind of like to, to rotate backs under um, Dan Quinn and, and Dirk Cutter. So um, I, I expect that somebody there will have some value and none of them are even really being drafted. The question is who it'll be. Edo Smith has probably the best receiving track record. So he's the guy that I'm prioritizing right now. All right. Jamie, give me an underrated position battle you're keeping an eye on. Patriots backup running back. I think with Sony Michelle's foot injury, uh, I'm sure probably most people would say you want to see Damien Harris win that job. That would be my vote uh, because I, I'm just not inspired by Rex Burkett at this point anymore. But if Harris can step into that number two role, uh, we had on CBS Sports HQ Ben Bolin of the Boston Globe, and he said, you know, when I asked him about Michelle's health, 
he said that even if Michelle is the, the quote unquote starter, that Harris is somebody that they're looking forward to getting on the field this year after a nondescript rookie season where he didn't play. And, you know, if he's able to sort of uh, establish himself, he's clearly not going to play on passing downs. At least that would be the expectation because of James White. But, you know, Michelle's going to be in some sort of rotation. Uh, to what degree, we'll find out. Probably his health will determine that. But, you know, if Harris has an opportunity to, you know, be the clear-cut number two guy, that could maybe have him in a situation to push Sony Michelle as well for that first and second down work. All right, Dave. You're last here. The underrated position battle to keep an eye on. The wide receivers behind Devontae Adams in Green Bay. We're drafting Alan Lazard like he's going to be the number two guy, but they brought in Devin Funchess. They brought in a CFL player named Reggie Begleton. They didn't draft any other wide receivers. I'm curious to see how that plays out. Are we sure that Lazard is going to be the number two? Might he be the number three? Um, could could Funchess be actually usable as a bi-week replacement receiver because he's just a, a giant who could catch, you know, 50-50 balls in the red zone pretty easily every time they're they're in short yardage situations. Are yeah, you Bagleton's another big receiver too? He's six foot four. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a lot of production in the CFL. I picked him yep. up recently in a, in a di- deep dynasty league, um, and I dropped uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling for him. You know, another guy that's still there. Um, yeah, technically he's still in the mix, Jim. Who could who could still be there? Uh, but I think if this was a normal off season, a guy like Bagleton would have an opportunity to, you know, prove himself. But who knows with what's happening, you know, the, the, the fifth or sixth receiver on a lot of teams rosters are going to have a hard time establishing themselves unless a team really likes them going in. And, and that's one thing for him in particular, uh, Matt LaFleur was very, very glowing about him in the off season, just about what he was doing in the virtual program and the things that they liked about him coming in. And that's part of the reason, at least on their end, uh, between him and Gutenkirst, Gutenkirst, how we pronounce his last name. Um, why they didn't necessarily address wide receiver because they like the group that they have. Um, you know, while it didn't necessarily make us happy or Aaron Rodgers happy, they, they feel confident with some of those guys. So yeah, it's a good position battle to keep an eye on. All right, there's a name to know. Reggie Begleton uh, from Lamar and then the CFL. Hopefully he doesn't give you a ton of bagels in your fantasy oh, life. Yeah, well, there's so many possibilities there. I had a bagel for the first time since quarantine yesterday. It's been like five, bloated. four months, five months. <laughs> That's because I haven't gotten a haircut in months either. Uh, boy, that's a problem. Jamie got a haircut, I can tell. Yes. Looks good, Jamie. Thank you, buddy. You're a bold man. All Our right. favorite friend, Kelly. Ah, very nice. This, this is the first time that this has happened. Every show I promote something, um, upcoming programming, other podcasts on the network, whatever it is, Ben Schrager always tells me what to promote. This is the first time that he has forgotten to tell me what to promote. So, Ben, what are we promoting today? Oh, my goodness. No Twitch stream tonight, so I didn't have a Twitch stream to send over to you. But podcast award nominations do end on Friday. We're one of 20 finalists in the sports category. People's Choice Podcast Awards, that link is in the description. We've been tweeting out the link, too, so it should be easy to find. Adam, I'm very sorry, and maybe people won't nominate us because I forgot to send it. (laughs) No, that's all right. You're forgiven. Uh, you're also you also. This show's airing when? What? This show's airing Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, so Tuesday will be uh, Heath Day on on CBS Sports HQ. Heath Day. Heath Heath's five guys to target and five guys to avoid. Dave is on Wednesday. I'll be on Thursday. Okay. Looking forward to Heath Day on Tuesday. And who's on Wednesday, Dave? Me. Dave is Wednesday. Yeah. Um, I'll I'm give you a little sneak preview. Here are the guys that. that Heath is targeting. See if you guess them. Who are the five guys Heath is targeting in drafts? Tariq Cohen. Gardner, Gardner Minshew. Tariq Cohen is one. He did not mention Gardner Minshew. Mar- Marvin Lazard is probably one. Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones. They're all, they're all, aside from Tariq Cohen, they are all drafted within the first three rounds. Oh. oh. He's targeting? Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju's not on the list. What? Is Derrick Henry on the list? Derrick Henry. DJ Moore is on the list. Who? DJ, DJ Moore. Moore. DJ Moore is on the list. You have three. Yeah, of the he's five. gotten real excited about DJ. Travis Moore. Kelsey. One relatively obvious to the team that he roots for. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Yeah. No. You're missing one. One is a guy that Ben and I tend to fight over. John. No. Not Jonathan Taylor. Or maybe we did earlier. Aaron Jones. Liking him. No. He's a wide receiver. He's a wide. Who has initials? Wide receiver. <laughs> What's in the his early last name? Early rounds. 
How is it not Juju? Third year guy. Lying. Ridley. Is it Ridley? Ridley. Uh, Ridley. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Ridley's good. And and his entire avoid list. I asked, only asked for five. He gave me ten rookies. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, all right, guys, let's get into position battles. Oh, wait, we have an email. Email of the day from Lauren from Dublin, California. On your episode from Friday about handcuffs, it got me wondering, this year with COVID-19, wouldn't you not want two backs from the same team since if one catches COVID, the other is likely as well? I'm wondering if you want to spread the risk around by having backs from different teams. So if a team gets hit by COVID-19, you're not out two guys. And I'll say I felt a little uncomfortable reading this, but I do think it's actually a, you know... Pretty, uh, pretty good question and something you I mean, have to consider. I think consider. it's a, a perfect um, application of the realities of what we're dealing with. I mean, I understand your point that we should be sensitive, but this is a really good thought process, I think, and you should probably consider similar things if you're going to play fantasy football this year because, like, we just saw this in baseball. There's certain teams that aren't going to be playing. That it's that's what could possibly happen in football certain weeks, um, and, and it could be an entire backfield that is out and they have to grab someone off the practice squad to be their starter for that week. So you handcuffed your guy and then you didn't even get to use his backup because his backup was, you know, picked it up from him. So I mean, I, the I practice squad guys are going to be with the, they're still going to be in the same meetings. So yeah. that could still be something that, that becomes an issue. Uh, yeah. I think it's not a bad idea to diversify your, your portfolio of your players um, on different teams. The the Marlins example that Ben is alluding to, you know, how many players uh, contracted it. But at the same time, you know, the, the national situation, if you're just going to talk baseball, seems as if Juan Soto's scenario was sort of contained. So, you know, we just we don't know. There, there's so much uncertainty to it. And so I think if you're in the in the boat of handcuffing players on, on an annual basis, then probably continue to do that. If you think that spreading out, taking guys from different teams is, is a little better scenario. It's, it's, it's an unknown. It really is. It's, it, we're, we're in uncharted waters, and we just don't know how it's going to go. I use a lot of cliches in that one. <laughs> it's, it's definitely going to mess people up, though. I mean, I was just thinking of this scenario. Let's say it's you know week one, the last game of the week, the second Monday night game, it's Tennessee at Denver. And let's say you've got Derrick Henry and Darrington Evans, and they're both ruled out. What do you do for a running back that week? You're going to have to cut one of them to pick up whoever David Flewellen, I think, is, is their third guy. Um, I don't know that. I don't know. I don't know what you do in that situation, other than you just take the L or you just pick up whoever you can—a fullback or something. That's out. Royce Freeman, maybe. Well, maybe you're winning. You just take a zero in that spot, right? No, that's true too. <laughs> you could be just really good, but you, you probably need Derrick Henry to help win most weeks in fantasy. So yeah, I still I still subscribe to it. Just because one guy gets it doesn't mean that everybody on the team is going to get it. Hopefully, these players are really smart and they just keep their distance it's what everybody should be doing yeah and if they go to strip clubs they should just, do that in football should, they, if they go to strip clubs they should just go there to pick up for food, right backs. that's what i've learned lately uh from yeah <laughs> lou williams corollary yeah yeah so you know jamie just i just think what she has to do this year is take things one game at a time give 110 yep. percent mm-hmm. it's better to be lucky than good and trust the process right very true trust the process is the best one of all okay <laughs> Uh, position it battles. It <laughs> Two quarterback position battles. I interviewed a Patriots beat writer today. I got a lot of cliches in my head. Oh, okay. Fair enough. That's not fair. Ben, ben I'm kidding. Ben was great. He wasn't uh, He wasn't Bill Belichick by any stretch. We had Ben on our show last year. Ben's great. And he had his uh, his lawnmower guy in the background. Remember? He was getting his lawn. Oh, I remember. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. also raised the red flag for Sony Michelle last year, if you recall. Yeah. And he, he actually was a very good interview. Kind of tipped us off. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff again today on HQ. Now I'm ready to talk about quarterback battles, and it's it's the two rookies spots here, uh, Miami and the Chargers. So, you know, which one? What about the Bears? Okay, fine. That's should have given that to me before the show, but that's fine. Okay, fine. Uh, of those three, maybe there's another one. Miami, Chargers, Bears. New England, but if we're already deciding that, then Newton should be going higher already. Yeah, I, I, I doubt that Cam's really fighting for a starting job. Which one's going to have the, the biggest impact on the wide receivers? I think it's Miami. That's a good one. I think Chicago as well. I think Foles has the potential as a pocket passer to just throw more. Trubisky has a tendency to scramble a little and and... 
be a lot more accurate than Trubisky has been in recent seasons. So I think that, like, I don't think Foles is great, but I think he has the potential to be very positive for the receivers. I think it's Miami. I, I was just thinking about saying the Chargers just because, but I'm not sure Tyrod's a great passer anymore, and I'm not sure if Justin Herbert will be a great passer if he gets the opportunity at the midpoint of this year. The yeah. thing with Miami is the, the upside for those guys with Fitzpatrick could be yep. great. We saw it last year. You know, I mean, how Gusecki finished the season was fantastic. Obviously, what Devontae Parker did, you can correlate it with when Preston Williams went down. We'll see what Preston Williams does coming back. But as we've talked about many times, most of Preston Williams' numbers came with Josh Rosen. So we don't know how that marriage will work between Fitzpatrick and Williams on a hopefully 16-game basis. But I just think Tua is going to be much more conservative with how he challenges defenses. He's clearly going to be learning on the fly. Um, so however many games he starts, I think is going to be very problematic for people that are buying into Parker, mostly Gusecki being the second option and Williams being third. So uh, I, I'd be very nervous. Like, I think we have an understanding, like Dave said, you know, that we'll see if Tyrod, how he still is as a, as a thrower and, and what Herbert does, but we have an understanding. Like, I think we've all downgraded as an industry, the chargers receivers. I don't think we've done that necessarily as an industry for Parker. Maybe we have, um, you know, the, the four of us, five of us. But I think you still see Parker and, and even, you know, people drafting, drafting him in the fifth round. In some cases, I've seen the fourth round to still be a, a, a starting receiver. That makes me nervous if Tua is starting, you know, the majority of the season. And not to mention, you know, Fitzpatrick, he just played probably better than we'd expect him to play. You know, the last 11 games when he just got the starting job and Josh Rosen stopped playing, he was on pace for 4,500 yards. I, you know, I don't think anyone's going to anticipate he throws for 4,500 yards. And he also, he was on pace for 326 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. So he was just doing some really, really good things. Now, that being said, he started off the 2018 season with three straight games of 400 passing yards and at least three touchdowns. So he's been productive in a fantasy perspective for the last couple of years. Um but wasn't that the joke going in that if they were going to start Fitzpatrick, the tanking for Tua wasn't going to work because he would end up falling into some wins? Yeah, he's too good, right, to finish to have the worst record in the NFL. But I'm not sure he's a 4,500 yard passer. That's pretty. That's pretty good. That's really good. That's going to be like top five. Um, would you agree with that? You're not going to project him to throw for 4,500 yards, are you? Fitzpatrick? Yeah. Why not? Really? It's They're just... going to be behind. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to throw down the field. Because he's never had he's never had a four thousand yard season. I mean, he's had three seasons. That's a good point, where he's had three seasons with sixteen games and five hundred more pass attempts, and couldn't even reach. Yeah, but 4, I mean, you got to look really at the last few years of his career when he's been right. sort of, you know this gunslinger coming in to replace guys, as opposed to where he was starting in Buffalo. It wasn't twenty three hundred yards in eight games and seven starts in Tampa in twenty eighteen. So that he only played eight games and he only started seven. That easily paces for over forty five hundred. Last right. year he started 13 games. He threw for 3,500. I don't know how close that paces, but no. But he he had games where he was splitting with Fitzpatrick. So I I with Rosen. I think you got to look at the last 11 games on yeah. pace for 4,500 yards. So then I guess the question is, if both the veterans win their jobs, are you taking Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tyrod Taylor? I would take Taylor for the rushing upside, yeah. but you know we've talked about this a lot. If you were to say Taylor starting X amount of games, that changes his draft stock. Uh, you know. 13 plus games. I think he's close to a top 15 quarterback. You know, he's got on his resume, you know, nearly or two seasons of over 500 rushing yards and, and four touchdowns, you know, so that gives him the opportunity to you know produce at a different level than some of these guys. And again, you know, like we talked about on Monday show, if you feel more comfortable guys like Roethlisberger and golf, because you don't care about the rushing production, then that's fine. Go that route. There's going to, those guys are going to be good throwers, but Fitzpatrick falls into that category. You know, he's going to be a high volume passer with some decent weapons around him. Uh, he'll take chances. You know, you got to understand there's going to be some turnovers there, but he does run, you know, even though he's getting older, he still puts the ball on the ground and, and uh, puts a put, you know, puts his feet on the ground and runs. So there's a, uh, there's a lot to like about those guys in two quarterback leagues and super flex leagues. You just don't want to draft them as starters in one quarterback format. But it is interesting. If you go into a really deep draft between those guys and Minshew and Newton is still going way too late and, and several other late round quarterbacks, you can definitely find late round quarterbacks this year with upside you don't know that they're going to be your starter all year um, in the case of Fitzpatrick and Taylor, but we don't really know what's going to happen all, all season anyway with a lot of different things in, in this NFL right. season. So these are guys that, I mean, a late round quarterback is absolutely very alive this year. It should be. 
mm-hmm. and yeah. and these are two more cases for it. I give Taylor the nod one because of schedule. Schedule's easier for him, at least providing games with should be high scoring. He could get points on the board. Better supporting cast around him, better offensive line around him. And I think it's more likely that the Dolphins don't have a good record. And two is probably a little more ready for the NFL game than Justin Herbert is. Like, I, I think there's a chance we don't see Herbert at all this year. Okay. I, I would like go- to see that they, both of them don't play this year. I mean, it's like, very possible. Yeah. yeah. Let's go to the running back battles here. And the Dolphins are actually one of the backfields to watch the Broncos, the Browns. Here's a stat on the Browns. You know, you're wondering how much they're going to run. They ran a little bit more with Kareem Hunt. So what I did was I looked at the the eight games that Chubb and Hunt played together, and I took their carries, and then I added in all of Baker Mayfield's carries, and there were only 52 other carries that were not Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb. But you know, basically I, I gave Chubb and Hunt the 16-game pace from those eight games, and they uh, they ran they would that would have been 426 carries, which is pretty high. It would have been 13th in the NFL, but still 50 fewer than what the Vikings did last year under Kevin Stefanski as coordinator. But they were very run heavy offense um, for after not so much all season long, but after they acquired Kareem Hunt, or sorry, after he came back from suspension. So we'll look at the Browns. We'll look at the Niners. The RB two for the Chargers. The Falcons, which we alluded to, the Patriots. We kind of talked about those earlier. Um, but other than the you know the rookie battles that we talk about all the time, Dave, where should we start here? What's the running back battle that the backfield battle you want to look at? Let's start with the Dolphins, just because I think that it might be a little underrated because they're going later in drafts, and so if you find yourself thin on running backs, that's a team that you could look at and say, all right. Here's Jordan Howard. He was a starter last year for Philadelphia. He'll probably begin the year as the lead guy for the Dolphins. As much as the Dolphins' offensive line might not be as good as the Chargers' offensive line, they have tried to improve it. And I think running the ball is going to be an element of their game. Obviously, they want to do a better job than they did last year. They were terrible last year. And Howard's been okay. So I I would imagine that Howard will be better than Breida, but I see Breida as more of an explosive big play type of running back who can – probably who will probably be asked to make more plays in the passing game than Jordan Howard. So in PPR, it's really close to me. I actually think I like Brita better than Jordan Howard there, but in non PPR, those catches don't count. I think Howard ends up with more carries. I would go with him. We're going to have uh, Joe shadow, the Palm beach post on today's show, Tuesday show. So that's one question they'll ask him is who he thinks is going to be better. And I think what I've seen from him reporting and breaking down some of the training camp previews. He thinks Howard will lead them in touchdowns, which makes sense. Um, I would look at it as a floor ceiling play. I think if you want the safer play, it's Howard. If you want the ceiling play, it's Brita. You know, we saw it from him in 2018 as the lead guy for San Francisco. He was electric. You know, he's a five yards per carry guy. Is that a 49ers thing? Because what we saw from Raheem Mostert last year is a six yards per carry guy. I think we'll find that out. But um, this kind of ties into Fitzpatrick in the passing game as well. Like Ben was saying, you know, maybe they're going to be in, in some more shootout scenarios because of their, their defense and chasing points. I think the run game is going to be better for Miami too. You know, what they had last year with uh, Gaskin and Patrick Laird and Clayton Balazs after they traded Kenyon Drake, and they really weren't even great running the ball with Drake, that this scenario will be better because the offensive line will be better. These two guys are capable veterans, especially compared to what they had at the end of the season. So um, you said in a, in a previous show, Adam, that you didn't want to draft the Dolphins running backs at all. Uh, no, I didn't want that. to spend two back-to-back picks on them. Yeah, you, you amended that when, when you said it, but initially your first thought was to to avoid them, which I'm sure a lot of people are going to do, but it's not bad if you are looking for running backs three and four, preferably running backs four and five, if you did take both of those guys to you know kind of see how it all shakes out. That's not a bad strategy at all, unless, of course, you know, you're afraid of both of them being in the same room. And you made a good point when I – said that they're going to be behind and throwing a bunch, that their defense has improved. They had a Byron Jones. They have Xavier Howard. They have two elite corners. Um, and Igbenogany, however that works right. out, you know, as their third corner. They dropped um, in the first round. So that could be a really good secondary, which could – and, I mean, they have, like, some improved players all across their defense. defense so, you know, maybe, maybe there's just more rushing opportunity in that offense as well. Well, they had the fewest rushing yards in the NFL last year, the Dolphins. So that's – bit of a red flag why I don't want to put two picks into that backfield it's such a different team though but is it I I mean their offensive line is still not going to be good it's very young is it 
because I, they drafted rookies? I, it's going to be better for sure, and there's a chance it could actually be like middle of the pack good in the NFL. They've got some nice young talent. They, they've done the best job they could. They, all, they basically addressed, I, I think, four-fifths of the offensive line. Like the Jets, they, they, they might have, have three new starters, but I think the majority. Yeah, Tunsil's great, right? <laughs> yeah, Tunsil. <laughs> ben, where did uh, Pro Football Focus rank their line? We'll give I you actually time. still have that open in a tab. Like I have it all memorized, but I do have it still open. So I'll tell you in a couple seconds. I'd okay. almost be uh, stunned if it's higher than thirtieth. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, not, they're not going to be middle they of the pack. Terrible. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's, I mean, uh, dead last, thirty second. There it is. <laughs> Going into the, that's their preview of that's twenty twenty. The projection for 2020. Yeah. So. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> we could see as many as four new starters. They're saying so. Yeah. I mean, we don't really know. Okay. Denver. Is there enough? This, this is a run-heavy team for sure. Uh, Pat Shermer's now the offensive Maybe. coordinator. He has. Well, it's it typically is a run-heavy team. Um, we'll see. Shermer now, and they've got a young quarterback they like a lot, and they just added two receivers in the draft. Yeah, I'm sorry. It came out the wrong way. They, they've been a run-heavy team. Uh, They'll still be a run-heavy team. Is, does Philip Lindsay matter? Absolutely. Yeah. We can't sit here and say that, uh, you know, it's, it's different with the rookies coming into the NFL because they have to learn the league and then they have to learn their team. But the free agents that are coming to new teams still have to adjust to that whole scenario. And for Melvin Gordon, as great as he's been, he's still going to have to prove that he's that much better than what Lindsay has accomplished the last two seasons with this lack of talent around him and inconsistent quarterback play. So I think, you know, Melvin Gordon, there was one comment he made where he wants to be the guy, but he's talked a lot about how he feels these two guys can work together. He's compared it to him and Eckler and how those guys work together. I think Lindsay's going to be a little bit of a thorn in the side for Melvin Gordon. So we'll see how that all works out. But I mean, obviously you expect Gordon to be the lead guy. Yeah. What, what I don't think a lot of people realize with Lindsay is that last year, and I just pulled up his game log. He played more than 60% of the snaps one time, and he maxed out at 65%. He's mostly in the 40s and 50% range. And for the bulk of the year, Freeman was playing more because Lindsey is not a particularly good pass blocker, but Lindsey was still getting targets. He has a really high like targets per route run rate, um, but he's not in there to pass block. So when he is in there, you know he'll get the ball thrown to him. It's kind of like a, a decent receiving floor, but not a lot of receiving upside because he's not going to be out there every passing down. But he wasn't playing a ton, and he was a 1,000-yard rusher as a guy who was basically playing half the snaps. I mean, if you go and look at it, over the course of the year, nine games, he was under 50% of the snaps, and Freeman was out snapping him quite frequently in those games, I recall, from right and stealing signals last year. I don't think people realize that Gordon's going to step into this Freeman role. He'll probably take some of these carries, but, but Lindsey's role shouldn't change that much. I don't think he'll get nearly as many touches overall, but it shouldn't be that different than what he had last year. It wouldn't be that surprising to see him rush for 800 yards in a change of pace, 40% snap roll. Last year, here's how it looked. Philip Lindsay had 224 carries and 35 catches. Royce Freeman had 132 carries and 43 catches. Dave, if you were going to assign carry and catch numbers to Gordon and Lindsay, and this time they might have, they might have Royce Freeman in the mix as well for a little bit. You know, what would you what would you think? Again, Lindsay had two hundred and twenty four carries, Freeman had one thirty two. What do you think that number looks like, catches and carries? I'm gonna ballpark Lindsay at around hundred and fifty carries over the course of the season. Uh maybe hundred and sixty. Around somewhere around ten per game on average. And maybe on average like one and a half catches per game max. I don't think they're gonna use them on passing downs. I don't think Royce Freeman's gonna get a lot of work. And I think Melvin Gordon's gonna get the rest. So if Philip Lindsay is getting ten carries per game in a, in a typical game, maybe where the Broncos are winning or it's competitive, then Melvin Gordon should probably be on the hook for around 12 to 14 carries and three to four catches per game. Not not thrilled. Well, three to four catches is good. Right. But He's going to be a 15-touch running I have, back. I have it projected as 175 carries for Gordon, 141 oh. for Lindsey, and then 43 catches is all for Gordon. So more like two and a half per game and 33 for Lindsey, right about where he's been both years, two per game. I have Freeman with 22 carries and 10 catches as the third, you know. hundred for the most part, been down on Gordon, though. So. Yeah. Well, 175 yeah, carries is very low. Mm-hmm. Not that say yeah. that your projection is too low, but that's an alarming number. 
I mean, Lindsay's a guy, look, he, he rushed 224 times last year and 192 times last year or the year before that as the incumbent ran for 4.5 yards per carry, at least both years. He's at 5.4 as a rookie. He's been a very good runner for them for two years. So I think you could also say me projecting him for 141 carries for them to really slash his work since the last two seasons. I mean, right, would be a little bit more of a split. Royce Freeman is not Melvin Gordon. Yeah. He's a good pass protector, though. All right, Browns and Niners. Jamie, give me a quick take there. I don't think there's really a competition for the Browns. I think their roles are going to be kind of clear-cut that, you know, Kareem Hunt's carries will just be slightly increased from the work that he had after coming back from his suspension. But, I mean, Nick Chubb's still going to be the catalyst there. And for the Niners, the fact that Raheem Mostert got the contract extension kind of tells you where they are with him, that they were able to work this out. He should still be their guy. And this is another player in Tevin Coleman that we have to keep an eye on because he does have, according to reports, a sickle cell trait. So if that's an issue to keep in the back of your mind, you know, we'll see. But they're going to rotate guys, clearly. It's not just going to be Mostert as the lead guy in terms of touches. And as we saw, we've talked about this numerous times, that, you know, Coleman was still the starter, quote-unquote, even when Mostert was rolling. Okay. Who do you guys like better, Raheem Mostert or Kareem Hunt? In a half PPR league. Mostert. Hunt. Okay. And then finally, uh, the Chargers RB2, the Falcons RB2, and the Patriots RB2. Are we thinking that the Chargers RB2, at least, you know, in draft day, has the is the one that gets drafted first? Most appealing spot of these three? Assuming yeah. Todd Gurley does not... Yeah, there. Get, yeah. yeah. Right. Like, obviously, if Gurley uh, says I'm not playing, then things are different, but... Well, it's also, I mean, if Sonny Michelle's ruled out for any reason because of the foot injury, those those two things can change it dramatically. But if everybody's healthy, I'll take the Chargers guy. There will be a push for that Patriots guy. Damian Harris could be it. Um, definitely has the potential to be a good workhorse running back in the NFL. Just needs the opportunity to do it. And we've seen it before, and we've talked about it before. Didn't work out last year where the running back you draft last from the Patriots is the one who ends up being the best for fantasy. Maybe it's Harris this year. Last year, he never really got the chance. I think Sonny Michelle staying healthy had a lot to do with that. And he, I think Harris is a good running back. I think he can play three downs as well. Not that he would with James White healthy, but. I think he's. I think he could end up having that job. He's interesting. I don't. I'm sure. Not ready to take him ahead of Kelly, but I do like him. I didn't Uh, like the fact that they restructured his deal for Rex Burkhead. Who restructured? Restructured. Burkhead's deal got restructured. Like they changed the money. Right. They wanted to keep him. Sure. Yes. Like that to me is a red flag for Harris. Like I. I, Again, I think he's got a red flag for Sony. Uh, could be red flag for Sony too. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, but you know, keeping just that extra mouth around is 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 not good. Yeah, Burkhead though hasn't been a big carry guy with New England. He's been he's been kind of like the James White backup almost, or he's a little bit of both. I think this was Army Knife for them. Yeah, certainly. Um, but yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, we we got to keep in mind with Harris. They took him in the third round last year. I think the Patriots think he all those glowing things Dave just said. I think they believe him too. Just just because they didn't use him last year doesn't mean that they don't you know think that. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, wide receiver training camp battles. Who is the number two guy in Pittsburgh? I mean, everybody's looking at Deontay Johnson. James Washington actually led the team in receiving last year, and he is their air yards guy. Advanced stats much? Uh, What about Kansas City's number two wide receiver? Will there be three relevant wide receivers for the Rams? Wait till I tell you the Azer stats for the first five games of the 2018 season. We're coming back. We want people to come back from the break. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to tell you any stats then. Never mind. We're coming back right after this on Fantasy Football Today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. 
Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Wide receiver training camp battle. So does anybody give James Washington a chance to actually be better in fantasy than Deontay Johnson? You have to. A chance? Yeah. Not a, I'm no, <laughs> not a big chance. Washington had some nice flashes last year. Johnson did too. Uh, but Washington always tends to play well in August and then fade by October. Last year was the first time he didn't quite do that, but I don't know if he's necessarily got a chance to be a dominant guy for the Steelers. So, no, I, I think Deontay Johnson's got more upside. Okay, and then, I would agree Johnson has more upside, but I, I, I think we just can't discount that Washington will play potentially a significant role. Yeah, he's going into his third year here, and then there's Claypool as well. Does... Do, do all these mouths to feed do anything to your evaluation of Deontay Johnson? If Deontay plays beyond expectations, then he's going to... I mean, it's it's so silly for me to even say that, but I, I do think Deontay Johnson has really good upside. He's more than just a, a down-the-field, go-route type of wide receiver. He's a quick mover. He's I think he's got good hands. I don't know about great hands. We'll see how much he develops in his second year. But really, I'm worried about how distribution is going to go in the red zone for everybody on the Steelers, because not only did they add Claypool, who's this like it's like drafting Big John Stud at wide receiver. They also have Ebron, who's a mismatch piece in the red zone. That's how the Colts use them. I suspect that's how the Steelers will use them. They've got a lot of big boys. We can't even forget about Vance McDonald, who, you know, vultures a touchdown three times a year. So I think it's all good for Roethlisberger, but it's one of the reasons why I'm not crazy about Juju. And I, I think it's going to be a pretty decent spread of how touchdowns go around in Pittsburgh this year because of all these big guys they have. All right, so Ben, if, looking around the NFL, give me some uh, wide receiver spots that you're keeping an eye on, some position battles there. Uh, New England. I mean, uh, whether it's Nikhil Harry or Marquise Lee or, you know, who's it going to be? Because Cam Newton's always kind of had an outside receiver that he liked. And I think Edelman's kind of like the, the Greg Olson. If you look at Newton's prior offenses. And I think the market is kind of just assuming too much that the Patriots recent tendencies matter because I just don't think they do at all. I think the Patriots are going to be a completely different offense with Cam Newton at quarterback. And it's going to look more like Cam Newton's history than it will, you know, their history with Tom Brady. So, yeah, I think there's an outside receiver role there that's going to wind up being valuable. Um, you know, Kansas City number two for sure. We, we mentioned them. Uh, now, before we get to Kansas City, uh, Ben Volan did say he, talk, he talked very highly of Nikhil Harry today. So, um, great. you know, that, that his opportunity to step into this role as the Devin Funches, Calvin Benjamin guy for Cam is something that he can take hold of. And, and in the same conversation, he thinks that Edelman can kind of become how Greg Olson was clearly just yeah. the, the safety blanket for, for Cam. Right. Short intermediate target. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, um, yeah, KC makes a lot of sense. I, Indianapolis is a really interesting one for me. Um, I'm starting to really warm up to, to Paris Campbell as the sort of um, not obviously Keenan Allen, but like he's going to play a similar role if he, if he winds up as our starting slot guy, I think, Michael Pittman is an outside receiver and he's going to challenge Zach Pascal for like this, you know, opposite uh, role from T.Y. Hilton. But Campbell seems like the clear slot guy. Uh, you know, Naheem Hines might split out a little bit. I don't know. But without a, without Ebron there as well, there's probably going to be fewer tight end targets overall in this offense. We know Rivers is always like the slot guy. He's obviously going to have a different distribution and a different offense. It's not going to like he's going to target Paris Campbell 150 times like he's targeted Allen before. But it doesn't need to be 150 targets for Campbell to be, you know, worth some interest where he's going. You mentioned this on a previous show, but uh, Zach Pascal, or 
I always hear it pronounced differently. He's not bad. He did pretty well last year when he got the opportunities. And I think everybody's going to be on Paris Campbell as the second Colts wide receiver drafted. But, you know, I feel like someone's going to be good there, right, other than T.Y. Hilton. So I just don't know who it's going to be. Is Campbell the, the one you draft? I mean, it sounds like – I'll give that to Yeah, everybody. because Pittman, the second-round pick, um, kind of profiles as the competition for – it is Pascal. I always say it wrong. I don't. I don't think it. I'm not sure. I've heard I would. It I would actually still take Pittman second, just because I think there's more upside with him. Because I do think Campbell. We, we last time we talked about this. To me, he feels a little bit more like a gadget player than he is going to be a significant target hog. Whereas I think Pittman, in the conversation that you guys just had about the tight end targets being vacated, he's a bigger option for Rivers in the red zone. I do think his draft grade is going to be significant. He had good college production. He's a he's a specimen. So I, I, I'm a little bit more excited about him, but the, you know, dart throws with late round picks. I think I think Pittman replaces Ebron, and he, he could. I mean, they, they're going to trade Burton too. This is this is another guy that they can. Yeah, use I know. I mean, they they've got options, man. They've got they've got a really flexible offense, and the one thing I will say about Campbell because I loved him coming out of Ohio State. I don't know if they've got anybody quite like him because he lines up in the slot. He's quicker than fast, but he's pretty fast. And he's just, he's the type of guy that Rivers can just flick little five, six yard passes to. And he's got the the potential to take it, you know, 20, 30 yards. I don't know how many touchdowns he's going to get, but I could see him being a PPR machine for sure. I could see him getting four or five catches per game with some games in the seven or eight range. Sure. He's a good I mean, leader. They Hilton in the slot too. Yeah, they could. Um, but that, that'll draw more coverage and more attention than Campbell would. They're going to strain defenses a bunch of different ways. This, this is going to be an interesting offense for sure. And speaking of PPR machines, tell me what you think of this stat. Why don't you get, guess how many targets Russell Gage was on pace for? Oh, it's over 100. 117 yeah. Yeah. after the mm-hmm. Sanu trade. 80 catches, 117 targets, only 715 yards. So not a great yards per catch there, only two touchdowns. But he's going into his third year. He was very involved. Now, look, Calvin Ridley missed some time. Uh, two of his best fantasy games, Russell Gage, were without Austin Hooper. Um, but, you know, that that's, I don't know, is that a 14-team league kind of guy? Or, well, I have him in the Scott yeah. Fishbowl, which is like 60 rounds. <laughs> a great, great player for that. Great best mm-hmm. ball guy, too, because if any of the other two guys get hurt. Yep. Um, Hayden Hurst is somebody that we're, I think, excited about to whatever degree. You know, whether you think he's going to be a breakout, top five tight end, top 10, top 15, you know. He's got a chance here to step into Hooper's role. But similar to this entire offseason, he has no rapport with Matt Ryan. We're anticipating he's going to come in and take all of Austin Hooper's targets. If that connection doesn't work, and Hurst has had a hard time staying healthy, and he hasn't been productive, even though he was a former first-round pick, he's older. You know, Gage and Ryan know each other. And so that's something that they may lean on. We, we like Dirk Cutter's history with tight ends, and that's right. fantastic. But, uh, you know, he may have to adjust how he, he operates and – you know, that this is a guy that could really benefit in a big way. So he's a great late-round pick, too. You know, I would take him over both the Colts guys, personally. And and to Cutter's history, the other big thing we know about this and the reason that it matters that, you know, because I think for other teams, we don't care about the fourth receiving option. But Atlanta's going to throw a lot. They threw a ton last year. They threw a ton every other time that Cutter was their offensive coordinator earlier in the decade, like 2012, 13, 14, or whatever, before he went down to Tampa. Um they, they're going to throw top 10 in, in attempts and they don't, they have a very concentrated offense. Like we're talking about this with the running backs that basically right now, the only guys getting drafted for fantasy are Julio, Calvin, Hurst and Gurley. And that's it. But there's going to be someone else contributing. How many more guys do you want to get drafted? That's four players. I just, I wonder if Jaden Graham could somehow garner some well, attention. I remember I, when he got some time last year. I'm surprised to hear Jamie say that he would take Gage over Campbell or, or I uh, would too. Really? And I, and I, and I love Paris put, it, put it this way. Would you T.Y. Hilton goes down? We saw it last year. Zach Pascal was good. He wasn't great. I don't know if Russell Gage will be great, but I'd take that chance in that offense with the volume. If something happens to Julio or something happens to Ridley and you just kind of alluded to Adam, what the numbers he was 
putting up when Hooper wasn't there well, and, the, and the game the targets really he was, was putting up. He was that's the thing. He wasn't really putting up great numbers. He was well, like, the targets, the opportunity. Yeah. Well, okay, fine. If you want to play the injury game, I could I could understand that. But if you're just drafting someone that you you know, Paris Campbell is the number two wide receiver or. Russell Gage is the number three wide receiver, perhaps number four in targets on the team. And you're not, and you're thinking, we expect the Colts to run the ball a ton. The Falcons, like Ben said, they were first in pass attempts last year. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm saying you should draft more than four people in that kind of a pass offense. Cause then, yeah, like Jamie said, if an injury happens or what, like you want to target the offenses that we know are going to throw top five pass attempts or top 10 pass attempts. And we have a pretty good guess that Atlanta is going to do that. This is more of a conversation for outside of 15 rounds. You know, if you're in a, oh, okay. a, a, yeah. a 16 plus round draft, these are the type of guys that you're talking about. No, no one is draft. This is going to be week two of our waiver wire show when blank player goes down. You should have drafted Michael Pittman. You should have drafted Paris Campbell. You should have drafted mm -hmm. Russell Gage. You know, that's the, the things we'll be saying, but you can't really expect the, the, the third or fourth receiver in, in these teams when there's better options in the same draft range, especially when you have to draft a kicker and a defense. Yeah, but that's why I feel like... Paris so like Adam, the perfect example. You like, you've been saying a lot, taking two tight ends or two quarterbacks, right? That's something yeah. you're a, a proponent of. This is, this is the replacement for that. Yeah, but I'm just saying I think that Paris Campbell has a chance to be really good without an injury, and I don't think yeah, Russell I Gage does. I, I would go Campbell over Gage. I would disagree with David Jamie on that. I'm with sure. you. Adam. I mean, look, if that's your preference, that's the route you go. But yeah, I think that's the the range you're talking about. You're talking about 13, 14, 15th round. If you're if you're in a 15 round draft, and certainly beyond that, then they become much more viable, especially in three receiver leagues. Adam just really needed someone to acknowledge that Paris Campbell could be ahead of Gage, so I, I had to give him. <laughs> I had to throw him that bone. I I didn't really expect people to draft. I would look like to look at their ADP because I, I think that's, you know, just oh, I different. Would, I would be shocked if Campbell's not ahead of those guys. Right, it's just different. I'm not saying it's dumb or anything. Paris Campbell's wide receiver 67. Gage is wide receiver 81. Um, all right, Rams wide receiver, you know, I don't, I don't know that this really matters that much. Number three wide receiver, but if they go back to throwing to their wide receivers and not their tight ends, uh, I won't even give the stats or anything, but they, they, at a point in time, had three viable players at wide receiver in, Coop, uh, in Cooper Cup, Brandon, Wood, Brandon Cooks, and Robert Woods. Sorry. And uh, is that Van Jefferson or is it Josh Reynolds? Does anybody care? I think it could be Gerald Everett. Yeah. Because they use him more as an outside piece than they do as a blocker, which Higby is more of an in-line or just off-the-line-of-scrimmage type of tight end. They'll, they'll line Higby up wide, too, but I think Everett is just better suited to be the Evan Ingram type of wide, tight end that plays more wide receiver. I was a little excited about Reynolds earlier this offseason because he has kind of an interesting production profile in college, but he's just not been good at the NFL level. So, yeah, kind of over. Um, I was going to make a joke because the Vikings – well, I'm, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. Um, in any event, uh, some news. The Vikings have placed uh, Justin Jefferson on the reserve COVID list. Really? Yeah. All right. All right. It's going to keep happening. It's just uh, yep. be prepared. Hope everybody's okay, feeling all right. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's just fire through the rest of these here. Which uh, Kansas City wide receiver are you taking, Hardman or Watkins? I have a great stat on this. Go I for it. Give real quick. Mm -hmm. Hardman played at least 50% of the snaps in each of his first six NFL games because Tyreek Hill went down in week one. And then he only played 50% of the snaps one more time in 13 more games through the playoffs. And that was the game that he'll also left early in week 11, the Mexico city game against the chargers. We've talked about it several times in the past few weeks. Um, so he played essentially as Tyree kills direct backup. Now that doesn't mean that he's going to necessarily be Tyree kills direct backup, but he never really played over 50% of the snaps unless he'll miss time. I thought that was really interesting. That is pretty interesting. Does that change though? You know, does he earn more playing time? Watkins had a really strong finish, really good postseason. Because if that doesn't change, it might change. And I, I like Hardman a ton. He was a 21-year-old and very explosive last year. And he's going into his 22-year-old season. But if it doesn't change, Watkins is going to be a huge value. We think. <laughs> we thought he was going to be that guy last year when <laughs> Tyreek Hill went down and then he wasn't. Uh, Doesn't it just seem like he's better suited to be the two than the one? He might be yeah. better suited to be the two than the one, but he might well, be best suited three. to just – not be on my fantasy team because every time I go to Sammy Watkins and think, all right, this time will be different. He just, he doesn't come through. So maybe it's just, maybe I've got sour grapes when it comes to Sammy Watkins. Not that I've ever been like 
the biggest Sammy Watkins fan on the planet and drafting him before everybody else. But I don't, I, I think he's a good veteran and he's a good route runner, but he just doesn't have the same type of speed that Hardman has. Not that a lot of so receivers. You're, so you're do. taking Hardman. I'm taking Hardman. All right. Give me, There's give me one upside. word answer guys. Hardman for Dave, Jamie. Hardman. Ben. Oh, Hardman. Easy. Uh, it's just that Watkins is available in like the 13th round in some of our drafts. That's I, not one word. Ayuk or Samuel, who are you taking right now? Samuel. Yep. Samuel. Um, Eagles, favorite wide receiver on the Eagles? Rager. Rager, I think. Uh, Rager, but I'll probably end up passing just based on where they're going. Jets, number two wide receiver behind Crowder. Perryman. Chris Herndon. No, it's not an option, Ben. It's a wide receiver question. Oh, then Perriman. Okay. Uh, Redskins, number two wide receiver. That's their team name. Oh, sorry. Washington football (laughs) team, number two wide receiver. My bad. Sims. Yeah, Sims. And who put the Jags, number two wide receiver, in there? I mean, uh, we're hoping it's Chenault, but, you know, again, rookies and how they're coming in. Yeah. Okay, who who else could it be? I will take Chenault. It Didi? could be Didi West. Didi? Yeah. All right. Yeah, you got to take Chenault over Didi. Let's read some emails to finish the show. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. Hey, Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Ben. Wow, good job, Joe. Didn't include Heath. Yeah, you, you got lucky there. Keep one uh, one keeper up to three years. Player kept, loses a round they were drafted in. Who's the better keeper? Miles Sanders in the sixth round. Adam Thielen in the tenth round. This would be my last year keeping him. And Mark Andrews in the 15th round. Sanders in the 6th, Thielen in the 10th, Andrews in the 15th. Andrews. Yeah. No. It's Andrews or Sanders. Sanders. Obviously, it comes down to those two, but, I mean, that that keeper value for Mark Andrews. That's a free space for three years. That's easy. Yeah. I got the – I'm sorry. I just – I got the COVID concerns. I don't know what to – how to approach that with Andrews. I know it, maybe we'll know more after August 1st. Um, but Sanders is a really good value in the 6th, too. Obviously. Right. So, wait a minute. You're keeping Andrews, er, Sanders 6th round, then the 5th round, then the 4th round. So, that's still, like, really good value if he hits. Andrews, even if he doesn't, even if he regresses a little bit, he still looks to me like a guy that could be a top, at worst, top 8 tight end for the next three years. At worst. At best, he might be, like, third best. So I, I think Andrews is probably the better. Bargain. He's third best now. Yeah. In non the, the upside is different too. If Sanders hits, you might be talking about a top five pick next year. I don't know. If there's a lot of scenarios where Andrews is a top five pick next year. All right. right so just so what's more likely based on what you saw last year? Sanders. Andrews being a consistent top options? tight end, or Sanders being a top five overall pick. Andrews. Andrews being top three tight end. You know what, guys? Just just. Keep Adam Thielen in the tenth. Definitely don't do that. All right, it's we have not two bad, good but you there. mean you only get him for one one season? Yeah, no, so. you, I'm gonna vote it. Sanders. I'm doing it. Yeah. Okay. I, I think Andrews was a consensus, right? No, I'm with you, Ben. It's oh. two two. Team Gretch. Team Gretch. God, I love what I'm the line right with now. Sanders, was he like 15? <laughs> what? Is Sanders falling around? To, is, he, is Sanders back in round one? Uh, let's find out, like, Jamie. Jamie, why don't you read the next email while I find out? That means I have to look at your notes for the first time ever. <laughs> it says from Daniel. Hey, Randall, Donovan, Michael, and Carson. Syracuse quarterbacks. Eagles, Eagles, Eagles quarterbacks. quarterbacks. Yeah, I know. What impact do you guys think Mahomes and Jones deal? Do you guys think Mahomes and Jones deal have on the Chiefs weapons in Dynasty? You're really good at reading these. Yeah, you, you know, there's a lot of typos. <laughs> a lot of typos. Sometimes they're not always written That is well. a numbers guy, not a letters guy. No, this is not. I read it exactly as it's written. Could Hill or they're, Kelsey be on a new team in a few years is the other part of the question. They're, because they're, they're perfectly fine. Huge numbers. Uh, yeah, so the salary cap is like kind of a make-believe thing, it seems. There's just there was an article today on ESPN how the, the Chiefs went from having like less than $200 or something like that in cap space to extending Mahomes and Jones with these massive deals. So they'll be able to keep Tyreek Hill, I assume. I don't know about Kelsey because he's... Well, they signed Tyreek Hill last year, so he's fine. Their running back is on a rookie deal. He'll, he's fine with a fifth-year option. Um, 
Kelsey's going to be 31, so his dynasty value is heading in the wrong direction. And then Hardman's still in his rookie deal. So, I mean, all their main options should be fine, and Sammy Watkins is walking after this season. Yeah. If you want to read it, it's called How the Chiefs Went from $177 Below the Cap to Deals with Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones. Uh, all right, this is from Nathan. Where is he from? Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, by the way, Miles Sanders is 11th overall. Hi, Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath, and Ben. I commissioned three Dynasty Leagues, all on the amazing CBS Sports app. Yeah. I've been contemplating how to handle a player who is suddenly placed on COVID IR or misses a game last minute due to COVID. I don't feel like an owner should be penalized with a zero in these unique situations. For example, I have two quarterbacks. One plays on Thursday, but I prefer the matchup on Sunday. It's then announced my preferred quarterback has COVID and doesn't play. It's dynasty, so likely no starting options are available on the wire. What do you have? What ideas do you have for covering this sort of situation? And and I brought this up because I know we've talked about this. You know, going for like the team QB sort of thing where you have the backup, but in a dynasty league, you know, some of the backups could be rostered, right? So a, a number of them, Jameis Winston and the rookies and all that. So you don't have that luxury necessarily. Backup uh, lineup spots on the bench. But there's specific two spots that are best ball backup spots. You have to designate them just like you have to designate your starting lineup. So in this scenario, when you know one of your quarterbacks is playing Thursday night, but your preferred option is playing Sunday, you would definitely put that that Thursday night football quarterback in one of your two backup spots. You'd have to play your QBs as a potential backup that week. Every other player on your bench is, is a bench player. You don't get full best ball options. That's that. This is that. This is the year for this, man. Okay, sounds good to me. From Jacob. So, you, so you'll watch that Thursday right. player put up numbers, and the only way you'll get access to it is if your starter has COVID. What if the starter is ruled out on Sunday and you can't confirm it's COVID? No, the way that the way that I've pitched that idea before is that those backup slots are best ball. So if he puts up numbers on Thursday, then he's probably going to be in your lineup, even if the starter plays Sunday. Because I don't think, for the exact reason you just said, it's hard to differentiate. So this would cover the COVID thing. It would also cover concussions in the first quarter in your starting lineup. You know, there's a lot of guys leaving games earlier nowadays. I think. With so, so you've got two ball. spots on the lineup that are basically insurance policies for for whoever, yep. whoever gets hurt in your lineup. So I don't have to put a quarterback in that spot if I don't want to. But no. if I do. I'm covered in case the quarterback ends up not right. playing. A couple you know times throughout the year, you'll have to play the schedule a little bit because of COVID, like this writer is, is right. talking about. You and know what, Ben? I don't like and it. And this isn't a COVID thing necessarily, Ben. This is just a, yeah. uh-oh, it's my player gets hurt early. And I don't like it, guys. I, I am anti-Ben here. I'm anti. I don't yeah, like I don't know if I like it either. You like when a receiver plays like six snaps and then hurts his No, of course then... I don't like it, but I started the guy and I got to deal with the consequences. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. From well, I guess we didn't really help you there. Sorry, Nathan. Thank you for using the CBS Sports app and chatting. What if you just? What if you? This is what I've been recommending to commissioners: is just give a couple of extra roster spots to everybody in the league and say it's on you. These are extra roster spots. You want to stash guys for the season? Go it just for ruins it. the waiver but wire experience, though. It does ruin the waiver wire experience, and it it could ruin a week for somebody if they do that, and then a game comes and they don't have a quarterback to start that week. Okay, I think in this situation. You should get the backup quarterback. Just you don't have That's to roster him. The whole time. Yeah, but this is why I brought this up because this is a, like let's say he has Drew Brees and and Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan plays Thursday, but he wanted to play Drew Brees on Sunday, and then Sunday comes and Brees is inactive. I guarantee Jameis Winston is on a roster in this league because it's a dynasty league. So what do you do in that case? Well, I think that if you have one of those quarterbacks whose backup is rostered. That's a disadvantage to you. You have to prepare for that, and you probably should have played the Thursday guy instead of Breeze. You don't get that luxury. That's the so in your league, the way I see it, backup or quarterbacks whose backup quarterbacks are going to be on other rosters lose value. You have to prepare for that. But, well, he's got the, the backup's got to be unknown. That's that's the key part yeah, of all this, right? Which is not an issue in redraft leagues, but in dynasty leagues, it is an issue. It, 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 it could be. In two quarterback leagues and, and stuff well, like that. Well, okay, yes, two quarterback leagues. So, but yeah, fine. If the if the backup quarterback is is owned, you're screwed. You should have taken the precautions to play the Thursday guy. But if he's not, then you get him. That's what I would do. But feel free to go with 
Ben's awesome idea. You could idea. always use team quarterbacks too. Jamie brought up the team quarterback is like, you know, what if what if Taysom Hill catches a touchdown from right? Of course. Now all of a sudden the Saints quarterback situation is amazing for fantasy. All right, next email. You, you can certainly next go the email. TQB route for the season. That that's that's a preference you can have, but it's going to put you know potentially yeah, it changes a lot of stuff. Philadelphia disadvantage. From Jacob, hey Tom, April, Andy, and Donna. That is Parks and Rec. I'm in a ten team keeper league, non PPR. Five point bonuses for going over a hundred yards rushing or receiving. We can keep players twice, so I can have any of the players two more years. Um. Okay, do I keep Lamar Jackson in the sixth or Miles Sanders in the seventh? Sanders. It's a two quarterback league. Yes. Oh, two QB league. Yeah. Yeah, Lamar. Julio in the second or Kyler in the fifth? Kyler, Kyler. Oh, yeah, I love this. You get Lamar and Kyler in the fifth and sixth, and then just build out your running backs and receivers and everything else. Not bad. This is from Lewis and Madison. You guys really love Calvin Ridley so much. I'm wondering if I should be keeping him for a fourth round pick over Terry McLaurin for a 14th round pick. It's no. a 16 no. team. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, then. Um, all right. That's it. That's the show. It's stuff. Thank you, guys. We're back on Wednesday with another edition of Fantasy Football Today. For Jamie, for Dave, and Ben, I'm Adam. See you later. Shaggy B, get those uh, promotions ready for Wednesday. Talk to you later, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.